welcome back my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, our goal is to provide you with real-world context around technology. I'm Zig, and I'm your host, as always. The goal here, the intent, is for you to become a better network designer or to become the best network designer that you can. And that's what we're trying to accomplish today. We have our normal Cisco Live network design focused CCDE sessions. We, we normally do a full list every year for Cisco Live. And this year we've split it up or we, we have to split it up because of the different release schedules that are going on with Cisco Live. We've already done our first episode in June. We did a uh, the release episode that was for Cisco Live, and we covered about 20 Cisco Live sessions out of the over 200 that were network design focused that I would recommend that you take, you, you, you consume that content. This episode is all about the Cisco Live sessions that were released this, this month in July. There were over 250 episodes released. So we are going to go through that list today and we're going to identify the short list of network design sessions that we want to focus on. Again, the goal here, the intent is for you to become a better network designer or to become the best network designer that you can. And that's what we're trying to accomplish today. And in, in, in this show, we're going to have highlight the network design specific sessions, and you can terminize those as CCDE sessions too if you want. But really, this is all about network design. Um, if you are going after the CCDE, by all means, take this list and conquer it. But if you're just trying to be a better network designer, then you can take what we have here and augment your, your gaps that you have. So a couple things to call out that I like to kind of just share, right? So... The digital live, the digital Cisco live event that uh, happened in June, right, a month ago. Uh, the way that the release schedule is going, just to reiterate, we had a release wave one was uh, July, I think it was June eighteenth, and uh, the second release was July fifteenth. So it was about last week, a couple weeks ago. And then the third release is going to be in September. So the content team, the Cisco Live content team is breaking it up in chunks, right? So here's a little bit of, you know, some sessions that you can get in June. And then here's some more sessions you can get in July. And then finally, here's some sessions you can get in, in September. Um, and they're splitting it up for both the marketing purpose and then also because it's a lot of content to get done at one point in time. All this content is being redone. So just to be clear, everything is digital, right? So instead of, um, like even for my own session, instead of my own session, going in front of all of you, um, going in front of you and presenting for two hours, that's not the same way to present online. So all these sessions are getting re-recorded and re-published or produced, produces the better word. So every every session getting reproduced um, and, and they're broken up into smaller modules or chunks that are more consumable. That way you're not sitting there for two hours watching a session that you may not need to watch, right? So everything's broken up into multiple chapters or chunks or segments, whatever word you wanna leverage. And that's how they're making it so that um, it's more consumable online, more of a digital product, right? Uh, so always, I want to say, uh, hands off, hands off, no, not hands off, 
Hats off to the Cisco Live content team. They literally have been creating content uh, nonstop from when we first heard about all the changes to Cisco Live going from on-site to a digital event until now. They just constantly create, keep creating content and they just have not stopped, which is outstanding. I don't think we, we I don't need, I have a view. I, I personally have a perspective of what's involved, but I do not have the full end-to-end -end view. And it is a lot of work. What I can see, it's a lot of work, and that's only a fraction of the real work involved to doing an event like Cisco Live. And also creating these, these sessions from the ground up. If you didn't get a chance to review the last episode we also I also posted on YouTube. There's a blog post. Uh, it's in the show notes for today. Feel free to go and release look at that that content. Um, all the sessions that we highlighted are in there. So again, the second release was a couple weeks ago, July 15th to be exact, right? And the final release is going to be in September. I do not have a date yet, but again, we will follow along with a follow up episode to highlight these sessions that are important. Um, let's see what else I want to talk about here. We talked about how much time is involved in these. So I want to, I want to provide some context, right? So a normal session, you, you normally will prep the slides, do dry runs, a number of dry runs with yourself and your teammates, and then also your, your leadership within the Cisco live. And then you go on site to the event and you do your session. You know, you might work with, um, some coaching teams to, to make sure you're ready to go for that, that physical session on site. And then you have your session. It may be a 60-minute session. It might be a 90-minute a session. And then it might be a two-hour session, right? A 120-minute session. And then once you do your session, your session's done, right? So the workload, it's important, right? But the workload's a lot less than doing a digital event, right? So for example, me, my session, uh, my normal sessions, BRKRST-2044. And uh, for this event, the identifier is changed. So it's DGTL for digital and then, and then the rest of the identifier. So it's DGTL-BRKRST-2044. And my session was launched in the first wave in June. And you, the link will be in, in the show notes. You can go directly to that session if you want to. Um, again, my session is all about enterprise multi-home internet edge architectures. So if you are looking to learn more about internet edge and how to design your internet connectivity, that is a session for you to follow. Um, I will say that I did 20 demos this year, so a lot different than the on-site event. I usually do about three or four demos live, but to do 20 demos because I can I could record it all and I could edit it all was extremely valuable, I feel like. Um, and hopefully you do too. And then also everything in my sessions on GitHub, right? So there's, there'll be a GitHub link in the show notes so you can access all the content. Again, that's configurations, initial and final configurations, a lab topology, um, also a, a CML topology file that you can go ahead and download and run on your, um, your, your CML environment. So, which is pretty slick, honestly. But that's enough about my session, right? That's just my session. Um, Really what I care about is the fact that in going through that process of, of creating a session this year, um, the way that we did, um, the magnitude of how much effort is involved is exponentially higher, right? So, you know, we're doing two hours of content on average, um, and it's taking 
10 times that amount of time, right? So two hours is taking 200 hours. Um, you know, the, the shorter low level of efforts might take 20 or 30 hours, maybe, but that's a short level of effort. I mean, these are, these are taking a lot of time. So just make sure you aren't aware that, that it's a big effort to do what's being done. This month, they released about 250 sessions and released two. And we came down to this list of about 18 sessions, right? And these are the sessions that I would recommend that if you are weak in these areas, I would review them, right? So just to help you with network design and or the CCDE if you're going after that, that certification. And my plug on that is that that's the most important certification that we can get. Um, design is the most important thing that we can do. And it is also sometimes the hardest thing. So I, I definitely am a big proponent of the CCDE and in, in network design as a whole. Um, and definitely recommend you go through that process if, if you can. All right. So the first session here on the list, and like I always do, I will list them off and I'll talk a little bit about each one. DGTL BRK CLD-2013. So this is a cloud session by the identifier. And the title is Cloud Networking. Of course, that technology area is cloud, right? Um, everyone thinks going to cloud is, is the easy button, right? It's the easy button. Just press it, go to cloud, go to cloud. Wow, my voice is horrible today. Um, yeah, so, so go to cloud and you don't have to worry about networking, but, but really you do. And that, that's kind of the important thing is it's a different way of networking. It doesn't mean that you don't have to think about networking anymore. You actually have to think about networking um, still and design and architecture. Uh, so this is why I put this here, right? Cloud networking. Um, don't forget it. Don't forget networking if you go to cloud. It's just a, a little workflows are just different. And how you think about things is different, right? But the technology is still the same, right? You still have routing protocols. You still have connectivity. You still have some sort of VPN connections. You still have redundancy and reliability, scalability, all these things are still factors of design and they're still gonna be in the cloud space. All right, so the next session here is DGTL BRK COC 1052. So these COC is Cisco on Cisco. That's what it stands for today. And these are really internal Cisco case studies, really, or use cases. Um, so Cisco IT, will leverage Cisco products to accomplish business desires or business intent. And I personally like to use these as um, use cases or case studies to show because here we have a, another entity, let's say, uh, a detached entity of Cisco technically that is um, using the products and, and having its own um, case studies in production in the wild. So for this case here, this first one is everybody work from home, how we scaled our remote workforce securely. Um, so I would just articulate here that in, in this time where we're, we're dealing with everyone working from home and it's a huge proponent that we, we really have to account for and design for um, both from a technical perspective and a business perspective, right? I mean, I don't... I would go on a limb and say that I don't think any business today is starting a new business without the intent of having a remote working offering or a way to work from home offering, um, especially with what's going on today with COVID-19 and everything. So this is a pretty fitting. Um, I think it's going to resonate. 
And I mean, I was interested in it. So I think, I think that alone was why I put this on the list. Um, it, it is a, a shift in a business model. So keep that in mind. The business models that were going on a year ago are very different today. And, and this, this can happen. And so even from a network design perspective, you have to understand that it's no, not always a technical driver. A lot of times it's a business driver or an outside factor or constraint that's limiting what you can do or forcing your hand. In this case, our hands are being forced, right? Um, and we have to add VPN connectivity, uh, concentrators, whatever terminology you want to leverage, right? We have to add it. This next one is also a Cisco on Cisco. So this was DGTL-BRKCOC-2018. This is inside Cisco IT, how Cisco deployed ICE and group-based policies throughout the enterprise. Again, a case study, use cases. This is specifically to Cisco technology. Um, and the only reason why it's specific to Cisco technology, uh, I, think, I think network access control is extremely important. We need to know how to design for network access control, the capabilities, not a specific solution like a vendor solution like Cisco ICE, for example. Um, but we need to know what the capabilities are for NAC. Um, what do they provide to our customers? That's, that's what's important here. So if you take that, if you're looking into that, um, don't, don't harp on Cisco ICE. Like don't over focus on that. Focus on the capabilities that, that ICE provides from a network access control perspective. All right, so the next one is DGTL-BRK-CRS-1400. So this is recipe for transforming enterprise networks with IBN, intent-based networking. Um, intent-based networking is a big terminology, right? It's been around for the last, I don't know, seven years now. Um, and it, it kind of opened up things to SDN, right? Software-defined networking. So just when you when you look at IBN and how you transform an organization, um, which in this case is enterprise networks, you want to keep in mind those key items that IBN is supposed to provide, right? What are those key capabilities and outcomes that an IBN solution should provide you? And, and keep those top of mind. And, and when you go through this, this is supposed to give you a step-by-step. -step. It's a recipe, right? Um I look at it as a blueprint, if you will. So, um, you know, you need that blueprint to help you architect a SDN slash IBN solution. Let's look at the list here. So we got the next one is going to be um, DGTL-BRKCRS-2501 Campus QoS Design Simplified. QoS, man. <laughs> Quality of service is always one of those items that I feel like as an industry, we don't have enough time to really grasp, or we're not we're not put in situations where we can design those solutions often enough, where it's second nature. So whenever we can find a, a session or a case study or a white paper on like QoS or multicast or those are those are those are like golden. Um, Golden artifacts is the best word I can think of on the fly that, that really are going to help in broadening our design experience, right? We're not going to always get a chance to design these solutions. 
sometimes these solutions are, are one-offs or very specific cases. So to, to be able to look in and and know how to design something like QoS, um, and this is a place in the network, right? It's a campus, it's a LAN, uh, local area network, but it's also simplified. So how can we make it simple? That's huge, right? So we all understand it. Yeah. Next one, uh, DGTL-BRK-DCN-3040. This is troubleshooting VXLAN BGP EVPN. And I threw this on here because VXLAN and EVPN, um, they've been around a while. Um, a lot of designs require them. A lot of data center designs require them today. And um, I think if you don't know how to troubleshoot a design, it's very hard to, to actually design it, right? Uh, my wording would be a little bit off there. So let me rephrase. Um, if you don't know how to troubleshoot a technology, how can you properly design that technology? That's a better wording. That's a better statement that I want to say. So if you can't troubleshoot it, I mean, you're not going to know the pitfalls, right? You're not going to know the limitations of that technology, that protocol, that solution. And, and you could very well design yourself in a corner, um, in a failure state. And that's not what you want to do. And I think VXLAN and, and EVPN are specifically items that, that we all should know from a design perspective. All right, this next one is something dear to me. DGTL-BRKENT-2711. All right, so this is Lisp, right? Lisp, oh man, I love Lisp. And I don't have any other factors behind it. I just like Lisp. So Lisp, the whole nine yards of unicast and multicast with Lisp. I think there's a lot of misconceptions with Lisp. Lisp is um, not a DCI technology. Uh, so... Mohammed Radwan and I did a data center interconnect webinar a few, maybe a month ago at this point in time. And we created a chart, a comparison chart of all the, the data center interconnect options that we thought were prudent. And um, we threw Lisp on there to really make it clear that Lisp is not a data center interconnect option. Lisp is more a path optimization option. A lot of times people get this confused because when you take Lisp, you usually pair it up with OTV. And OTV is a data center interconnect option. It's a very good option in most cases. And what it pairs up with Lisp very, very nicely because it is a path optimization. So when you put those together, then you do get a layer, some sort of data center interconnect, layer two or layer three, depending on what you want to leverage. But by itself, Lisp is not a data center interconnect technology. I would also say that Lisp is something that we should know, especially with a lot of the software-defined solutions today. Um, leveraging Lisp as a kind of an underlay or a protocol that's handling the underlay, um, that is definitely something that we should know from a design perspective. Again, don't focus just on the, the, the proprietary nature of the protocol. Focus on the capabilities it provides. All right, so we're now going to jump into wireless for a minute. This is DGTL BRKEWN-2014. Uh, Be my guest, design and deploy wireless guest access that works. We have to know how to deploy wireless networks. Uh, it may not be on the CCDE, so if you're going after the Cisco Certified Design Expert, there may not be wireless on there, but there might be. I'm a big, big fan of including wireless in enterprise. Uh, wireless is... In most cases, more important these days than, than wired, 
So I would definitely make this a priority. Now this is designing and deploy wireless guest access. And you know, outside of maybe public sector, I don't know any other customer space that doesn't have guest access. I think most majority of customer spaces have guest access in some form. All right, next one is DGTL BRK IoT-2517. And this is precision time protocol, which I thought was interesting. So this is not network time protocol, precision time protocol, and it's a deep dive in use cases. Uh, this is categorized as IoT, and from a Cisco standpoint, precision, precision time protocol has been around for some time. Um, I actually thought about doing a deep dive course on it at some point. If you guys think that's a good idea, just send, send me a note. Um, I thought about doing some sort of co course to go into the details of precision time protocol, how, how to get it to work, um, you know, from setting it up all the way to design best practices and what recommendations I could provide. Just let me know. I think it's a good topic personally. All right. This next one um, is DGTL-BRK-IPM-1261. Um, this is uh, a session that was also listed in the first release. Uh, first episode because it got released in, in waves. So some chapters got released in June and some chapters of this session got released in July. And I imagine, I think there's going to be a couple more chapters released in September. So this is the same session as before. It's introduction to IP multicast. Again, it's that multicast bucket, right? We need to know all the under, all the differences between source Specific multicast, so SSM, uh, uh, sparse mode, uh, PIM, um, IGMP, um, all the different design elements of those protocols. And then when would you use BIDER versus SSM versus SM, uh, ASM, all these different terminologies that I'm throwing at you. Um, you'll learn a lot of it in, in this introduction to multicast. All right. All right, so the next one is BRK IPM 2249 multicast and segment routing. So segment routing is something that I really love, and that's just me being um, having preconceived notions of the protocol. I, I think segment routing has a big place in um, service provider networks and even in SDN solutions. Uh, but when you start adding features or services to it, like multicast, these these designs can get kind of fun. Um, and that's how I, I, I think it's fun. So uh, maybe maybe some of you that aren't as service provider heavy may not think it's fun, but I, I actually enjoy it a lot. So um, this will be a good session. If you don't know segment routing, I believe there's an intro to segment routing as well, but that's not necessary design. You should know segment routing um, from a design perspective. You should know what it is, um, how to design segment routing at a high level, uh, the pros and cons, the capabilities, right? When to do it, when not to do it. And the advanced features to multicasters is one of those, right? I'd also focus on traffic engineering. Um, you know, what's the protocol? What's not the protocol? What's the pros and cons between MPLS TE and segment routing TE, right? All right, so this next one's going to be an optical uh, session. This is DGTL BRK OPT-2005. High-speed optics, the route to 400 gig and beyond. Optical is hard to come by these days. Um, I think a couple years ago, I highlight, highlighted some DWDM um, sessions and CWDM sessions. But honestly, optical is becoming a one of those niche topics that not a lot of people know about. And um, I personally want to make sure that that we know this. 
uh, from a design perspective. Again, you don't have to have hands-on experience with it, right? You don't have to go and run the fiber yourself uh, or play with the ONS gear yourself, but you do need to know what the capabilities are with DWDM versus CWDM. And, and going into a, like a high-speed optics like this, 400 gig, I mean, I can remember when one gig was a big deal, right? And now we're talking about 400 gigs and beyond. That's crazy. All right, so this next one's DGTL BRKRST2619. And this is gonna be IPv6 deployment, developing an IPv6 addressing plan and deploying IPv6. IPv6 is something that I would feel that should be commonplace and it's not as commonplace. Uh, we should all be designing IPv6, but we're not, right? So it's not as popular as I think the industry had planned it to be. And we really do need to know how to, how to deploy, how to design, how to architect an IPv6 solution. Um, more importantly than just that though, I would go on, a, I would go on a, a comment or a statement and say that we need to know how to migrate to IPv6 from IPv4, right? So we're gonna have IPv4 today. All of us do probably, right? I'd say 99% of us do have IPv4 networks. And if we get IPv6, well, we're gonna to have to do a transition, right? Most of the time, it's not gonna be a greenfield deployment of IPv6. We're gonna have IPv4 already in there, and we're gonna add IPv6. We're gonna run in dual stack mode for a while, and then we're gonna to have to transition out of IPv4 um, and find mechanisms to allow some IPv4 uh, addresses to still survive after that migration. Right, so some applications might not be able to change their IP addresses. Um, some servers or devices may not support IPv6. They might be legacy, non-compliant devices. So we have to know how to get through that. And those are some key components of IPv6 I would definitely make sure you're aware of. All right, so they've got uh, BRK SEC-3052, and this is demystifying DMVPN. I'm a big fan of DMVPN. Um, it's interesting that this is a security session and not an enterprise session. Um, so I, I didn't go through the session material to verify what they're focusing on. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be everything about DMVPN with a focus on security elements. So VPN, IPsec tunnels, um, crypto, uh, probably some sort of CA server, if you will, um, certificate authority server. In DMVPN, there's not a lot like DMVPN out there. So that's why it's a Cisco proprietary technology that is uh, a network design element. Um, hmm. If you want to compare DMVPN to something else from a, a capability, maybe not capability, from a traffic flow, frame relay is the same idea. Not necessarily the same capability, though. You know, frame relay is pretty legacy. Um, DMVPN is not. They had, they, had, they had some additional capability to DMVPN that they didn't have in Frame Relay. But the architecture, the architecture flow is the same. All right, so the next one is BRK SPM2129. This is deploying 5G and LTE for enterprise and IoT. All right, so uh, the 5G conversation, right? And, and Wi-Fi 6 and IOT and how things are gonna work. Um, this is really a big conversation to have with customers. I, I had this conversation. Um, at one point in time, I had this conversation every week with my customers. 
So, you know, 5G adds some additional security elements that weren't there before, that you don't get with 4G. Same thing with Wi-Fi 6. Wi-Fi 6, you get some additional security elements. And how that works with IoT is pretty slick. Um, but we, know, we, as network designers, need to know how to design IoT networks in a secure way, right? A lot of the IoT devices are not going to support what our MacBooks and our Microsoft computers and our desktop computers support today. So a lot of those IoT devices don't necessarily support getting an IP address. They have MAC addresses. Maybe they get an IP, but they can't route between networks. They can't pass information across a router. So you, you know, you're going to have to stay on a layer two segment. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of those little limitations. And depending on your vertical, um, and what you deal with on a day to day basis, you may know this and you may not. Um, so I think just preparing yourself for the 5G conversation and how to design and deploy a 5G, where, when and where is 5G a good place, a good solution, right? We have 4G, but 4G and 5G are not the same. And this, I would hope, this, this session is going to go into that a little bit, I believe. All right, this next one is uh, DGTL BRK SPM-2950. This is Rakuten. Uh, Rakuten's mobile um, network. So a case study. This is a customer case study, which is even better, right? So we get Cisco on Cisco, and there's some FUD, fudge, fudge. Fudge. Yeah, we'll go with fudge. Sure. There's some um, general consensus there that Cisco and Cisco is two different kind of elements, but from an outside perspective, it's still Cisco, right? Whereas this is Rakuten, right? And Rakuten here um, is a customer, and you know they they did everything to the cloud. All their mobile stuff is in the cloud. That's outstanding. So um, how do they do that? That's a case study that I would love to learn about. Remember, we're all about case studies because they show business intent, business uh, requirements, and what the solution was that met those requirements. That's why it's so important. We got two sessions left, okay? We got DGTL BRK uh, XAR, <laughs> that's cross architecture, uh, 2000. So this is lessons learned, zero trust for segmentation in IoT-based smart buildings. All right, so the real reason why I put this on here is zero trust architecture is a huge item that we need to know how to, how to leverage, um, how to design for, how to solve. Um, so if you haven't, if you haven't looked into zero trust architecture yet, I have a session out there. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I don't remember the name by heart or the number, but I did a, a podcast episode specifically covering the capabilities of zero trust architecture at a high level. Like what's included in, in a zero trust architecture? What do you get? Right. Um, a lot of customers are going to have some significant business policy and process changes when it comes to zero trust. So keep that in mind that it's gonna be pretty hard for customers to adapt to zero trust overnight. It is gonna be something that they're gonna have to learn. You're gonna have to help them go through that process. Be that trusted advisor and be that trusted advisor so that they can learn this stuff and learn how to leverage zero trust to make their, their lives a lot easier. 
Um, now I put this here be zero trust, but it's also specific to IoT, and that's you know zero trust is going to work for everything. This is focused on IoT, um, and I actually know the presenter, and I think this is going to this is a pretty good session. So um, definitely take a look at that. All right, so the last session is another cross architecture session. This is BRK XAR two zero one six Edge Computing for Remote Office and Branch Office Robo. What is this, right? So. We we have these shifts in in architectural designs and and um, status quo, if you will, or um, ideas, right? In in the in the industry. And what I mean by that, I'm being vague. So let me let me be specific. We have this shift where everything goes to the data center, right? All of our servers, all our applications, all our services go to a specific location, the data center, or maybe it's two data centers, right? And some sort of active, active, active standby design, whatever. So we put these data centers there. We put our applications, our services, what we care about there or in the cloud, right? Well, now we're having this shift to move things closer to the edge, compute. Um, and that's what this is, right? Edge computing, we're moving things closer to the edge again for specific reasons. So it could be security reasons. You could have an edge router at your remote office, remote branch location, also running firewalls, also running SSL encryption decryption, also running um, NAC services, also running uh, DNS security services. And the, the list is endless. Every security control you can think of can be ran at the edge now. So we have to know the pros and cons from a design perspective. Like why, why would it be beneficial to do this? And what's, what's the, the negative factor of it, right? If we do SSL encryption slash decryption at a remote branch location, how does that affect the rest of the environment, right? If we allow from a security standpoint our internet traffic at a remote branch location to go out to the local direct internet access link that we have, how does that affect the rest of the environment? And there's pros and cons to those questions. Yeah. Well, that's our list for this this um, portion, right? So we that's about 18 sessions there, I think. Yep, 18 sessions. Um, September, we'll do a, another episode like this where we'll highlight the last um, grouping of design, network design focused and CCD sessions. If there's something that you have questions on, feel free to reach out um, and I will do my best to answer those questions whenever you send them. Uh, I did also put in here the June uh, session list. So this is all combined together. So now you can see the June session list and you have the July session list. Again, that total is starting to increase. We had 19 sessions identified in June. We have another 18 now identified in July. So this is plenty of content for you to review if you want to be a net better network designer. I, I highly recommend taking some time and going through this content. It's all free content. Nothing is uh, going to cost you. It's just time and dedication. All right, some free resources just to give you guys an idea, right? Um, in June, we, we launched our, our resources page, um, and I had put up two free resources then, a guide to the benefits of SD-WAN from a, a vendor agnostic standpoint. So if, if you have a customer or you have an organization or you are an organization and you're not sure if SD-WAN is the right option for you or not, um, you can take that guide. It's free, and it does – how do I summarize this? 
it lists off the benefits, the business benefits to SD-WAN. And it doesn't call out any vendor solution. It's high level in that, higher level, vendor agnostic. It just talks about the key capabilities that you get from a business standpoint for SD-WAN. And you can easily tell once you get done reading the guide if SD-WAN is right for your organization or not. The next one is um, a free network design scenario. So this is my MAG Energy or MAG-E network design scenario. And I actually created a uh, the initial version of this scenario when I was studying for the CCE with my study group. A lot of us did, we created our own scenarios and um, I wanted to make this free out to the public. This is an updated version. It's been updated a few times since um, 2015. So it's, it's about a five-year-old scenario, but it's free. Um, it includes about 40 questions, uh, all types of questions that you'll find on the CCDE. It also includes an answer key. Um, once you get the, the scenario, if you want it, um, you go through the process of going through it and answering the questions. And a couple days later, I'll send you the answer key. Um, so you have it. If you have questions, obviously send them my way and I'll do my best to answer them or provide context around those answers. The next one, the next, there's a third free thing now and we're releasing it. Uh, we just released it on July 31st. No, July 24th. Sorry. Today's the 31st. So we just released this on July 24th. Um, this is a non-technical guide to the CCD practical. So I want to make it very clear. It is not a full-on guide to the CCD practical. It's not an easy button, right? There, it's not going to be an easy button. The CCD practical is not easy. This is a non-technical guide. All the things that you should be aware of from a non-technical perspective, right? That's what this guide is all about. So if you're going to go after the CCDE and you're going after the practical, um, I definitely recommend going getting this guide, reviewing it, and, and making sure that you go through your mindset because I talk about your mindset. Go through your, your strategy. I talk about your strategy. And also practice, practice, practice. I talk about that a lot. All right, you got to practice like it's the real deal all the time. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you today. Uh, if you have questions, concerns, comments, feel free to leave a comment on YouTube. You can email me at zig, on, uh, sorry, that's the wrong email address. You can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. Um, for any questions, comments, concerns, I'm available. You can also find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Um, if you have something you want us to cover, let us know. Until next time, bye for now.